Welcome to the West of North London, where Arsenal are just picking up speed in the Champions League. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. I uh, I feel like really good about this week. <laughs> you know, I, I was just talking to a friend of the pod, Jordo, who we were watching the Champions League game together, and it's just so much easier to come into the podcast uh, when, when we have a week like this than uh, when we've lost or haven't had as, as, as good results, you know. A six six nil thrashing is a and it makes you excited to record about Arsenal. Yeah, and it makes it it kind of erases some of the um, the narrative that Arsenal aren't aren't clicking yet. You know, yeah. it's like it, it may not be firing on all cylinders in the Premier League, but in Champions League, they have they have found a way to get things moving. Clearly, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the the clickiness as as much, but uh, you can't really argue with the six nil results in Champions League. Even, I mean, it is just lens, and you can put a lot of a uh, asterisks around that. They did beat us on the away leg, so you know, it is they're obviously handy. They haven't had a, the greatest of year lens, but you know, it's still a team that is in the Champions League, and six nil on any team is a is a pretty good result. Yeah. Revenge is certainly sweet this time around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of sweet things, I've got a I got a boozy drink this week. Yeah, is it a hot boozy drink, or have we uh, moved off it's, from that? I I've moved away for this week at least. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will go back to the hot, but I had I, I went for a holiday boozy drink of the Ooh. week. I've got uh I've got a little eggnog with whiskey. Ooh. I love a good whiskey nog. Yeah, it's good. It's it's hitting the spot. Do do you get a, a specific brand? Do you make the nog yourself? Just got the generic. Uh, I think it's the Kroger brand. No, oh. nothing fancy. Although usually we will do like the uh, the nicer eggnog that comes in like the glass bottle that they carry. That's that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. We'll do that at least one of those a year, but. This this week I was just like I'm going cheap I'm going easy. Just starting off the season, you want to kind of start off at the bottom and then like kind of roll your way up to the top, you know? I can't. Yeah, I can't start there. I got to work my way up for sure. So it's this is fine. It's not the best eggnog, but it's not the worst either. You know, I mean, I I think there's a there is a pretty uh, high ceiling on eggnog. I mean, it's just like it's hard to go wrong with sugar, winter spices, and uh, and uh, whiskey. You know? Yeah. It's it's a, it's a sweet sweet drink, but I'm I'm taking it. I, I have come around on eggnog over the last few years. I, I was kind of on the fence for a while, but it, it was, I'm firm, I, firmly in the eggnog camp now. I wasn't a big eggnog fan because I'd never really had it. it. Never was like a family thing that I did. But uh, gosh, maybe ten years ago, I just on a whim got some eggnog, and I was like, oh, this is this is tasty. It's I mean, you know, nothing fancy. It's just a tasty wintry drink. And you add booze, you can't taste anything. Yeah, and I believe you can warm eggnog as well, right? You can make it a warm boozy drink. I could want. make it a warm boozy drink. I I don't there's something about heating up eggnog that I don't like. Huh. Hot eggnog to me is kind of just okay. Yeah. It's it some sometimes like the bad eggnog tastes worse or like the not so great eggnog doesn't taste better hot it actually tastes worse yeah i mean heating up things can always uh, add a uh, volatility to like the esters and things so you get like a little bit more 
flavors. That's why some beers are best served cold, as it were. Right. Yeah. I think that this this one would fall in that camp. Maybe what maybe the better quality eggnog would taste good, taste better hot to me. Yeah, I wonder if that's also like chemical change because it's it's raw egg in there. So I wonder if like it kind of turns more custardy as you you heat it up or maybe i need to experiment yeah i mean i'm I'm not an expert i don't even know what nog really means if there's more than just eggnog is there a, i don't know like that's a tree good question nog? i don't know yeah it's just maple syrup nog yeah or if an egg is part of a nog i feel like an egg has to be part of a nog where it's where the g comes from mm. it's my just my random guess based on the word i need to do more eggnog research clearly yeah um before the next episode uh it's our, our, our most latest uh spinoff the nog cast <laughs> off the noggin we already have a title for it done where where uh eggnog and soccer meet off the noggin <laughs> i don't know how big of a venn diagram that is and it's it's all about the the da- <laughs> the the amazing eggnog drinks and the dangers of using your head in, in soccer. Oh, there we go. That's <laughs> using your noggin. Uh, okay, that's awful. We'll never speak of this again. <laughs> Is that getting edited out? Nope. We're just keeping it. <laughs> Damn it. Um, what do you have to drink this week? Well, I'm I'm back on the booze train at least for a little bit. So hey. I have. A fun little beer. Oh, wow. I just cracked it and it's already smart. Uh, this came from Yakima Valley or Yakima Chief, which is a hop manufacturer. And they have uh, two uh, new experimental hops that they're trying to sell to the uh, breweries. So they work with Fremont Brewing to make a uh, a beer to showcase the, the new experimental hops. It's not available in the stores. You just get it if you're a brewer to try and sell you the hops. I have no idea what style or what the ABV is because it doesn't say it just tells you the hops this one is for uh, a breed called Talius hops which is supposed to be uh, tropically uh, coconut flavored I actually looked it up to be look at me doing research Uh, (laughs) intense flavors of citrus flowers and wood with grapefruit stone stone fruit oak coconut and pine so it's I, I it smelled very hoppy when I opened it. I think it's going to be yeah. very much a hop bomb because that's the idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of hops. <laughs> oh, but it's tasty. It's all, whoa, that's an interesting beer. I wouldn't classify it as an IPA. It's a very not malty. I guess they're really, that's kind of the point. It's almost like hop water, but with booze in it. <laughs> you mean beer? Beer, yeah. <laughs> not a well, just not not the not the malty grain flavors. I'm getting no grain, no malt. I'm just getting vegetable and the hop, mm. which is, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's kind of like an over hopped pilsner style idea. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm getting no yeast characteristic. It's just just the hops. It's a nice nice hops. Yeah, everything that is said on the the label. You know, citrusy, piney, be a great IPA. Um, not super bitter, actually. I was expecting a little bit more of a bitterness in the face, and it's so far not super bitter. Well, that's good. Hmm. Yeah, that's a fun one. 
Yeah, I could see this as a good single hot pale ale, actually. Hmm. Now, now I'm curious what's going to come of this. Yeah, you'll probably see them, you know, in the next couple of years, Talius. And there's a you, next week I have the other in the series, which is HBC 638, which is another Ooh. experimental. You can tell they're very experimental when they don't have a name yet. Yeah. Talius sounds so serious, but then you've now you sound like a Star Wars droid. <laughs> well, it's funny with the hop names because there's all these new hops coming through and then they all copyright the names. So, you know. A lot of the, the the common names that you think of are all copyrighted, like uh, Agasha, Belma. Uh, yeah, I'm blanking on all the hops names, but they're generally copyrighted and owned, and the genetic sequence is owned by uh, these hop companies. Huh. So they come up with catchy names. I'm, I'm guessing these um, fancier hops have higher security around their fields. I can just walk up and... <laughs> just grab grab the seeds i don't know how hop seeds uh it's not seeds it's a rhizome so you grab pieces of the root and oh okay yeah dig it up yeah i imagine there's some propagation like these are all hybrids so they're taking like this one gosh it listed off the uh the hybrids very similar to marijuana if you're familiar with that world uh i've heard of it it's a daughter of Sabro hops, S-A-B-R-O, which hmm. gives it its coconut flavor. Okay. Yeah, so it's Sabro and open pollination, which sounds fun. So they basically had a, <laughs> a single strain of hops and just let everything else pollinate and see what came out of it. Huh. Try, they're, they're trying anything. Mm-hmm. See what comes out. Really, the all the 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 differences in hops. It's it's just kind of funny. There's like hundreds of varieties of hops now, and it's you know, very minute differences between between these flavorings. Yeah, yeah. It's a beer is a beer at the end of the day. Yep. It's you know there's going to be some variety in that, obviously. But I when you've tried so many IPAs and so many beers they they do start to run together after a while <laughs> it's rare that you taste something you're like oh my gosh that's different than anything i've ever had yeah i mean i think it's when they kind of find a new uh, style of beer making that you or just rediscover a new style but it's like like the hazies when you you first, mm -hmm. had your first hazy your mind was blown because it's just you know different yeah. from everything else and now that you've had 300 different hazies at this point they're all just kind of blending together yeah Because it's like the only way you can differentiate is to get more fruity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you just kind of keep pushing the edge of what that is to the point where you kind of lost sight of what it started as. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because they, when they dropped off these uh, these beers, they also dropped off a uh, kind of a flavor profile of the hops on a on a sheet. And that it it actually uh, they, they had the flavor profile that were in these beers and then their estimation of what the flavor profile will be for next year, depending on the... Uh, the the climate, the terroir, the different things. Huh. That apparently in, a, what was it, 2002's batch of hops were really, really, really smoky because of all the fires that were around the Yakima Valley. So like a lot of the beers, the single hop beers and the ones that were using a lot of the Yakima hops, they got a, a little bit more smoky flavor than you're used to. Oh, interesting. So hops do change 
by a season, kind of like grapes. Yeah. Interesting that you could be brewing the same beer and have it, you know, come out completely differently year to year. Oh yeah. I mean, that and that's just not the hops. There's a million different things that change your style of beer and it's a science literally to try and get it to taste the same. And that's why sometimes different batches, especially with smaller breweries, different batches will have slightly different tastes in it. Cause it's, it's, it's hard to replicate exactly the same flavors. Yeah. And I think most people would have to be tasting it side by side mm. to really know the difference. If you're, you're, you're kind of just hitting a, a general ballpark as far as flavor profile. Yeah. It's not good. It's not going to be perfect. Yeah, and then also like uh, there's always improvements on the recipes. I know every brewer that I know that works in a craft brewery is always trying to tweak the recipe to get it a little bit better in this area or that better. Like it's you know like anything, nothing's perfect, and you're trying to tweak everything to to make the taste perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, after that great beer discussion, <laughs> let's let's get into the Tim bit. Oh yeah. So. Uh, this uh, last game, there was a lot of talk because uh, Arsenal had six different scorers during the game, which is uh, not a record, but it was you know it was edging up close to a record. And mm-hmm. one of the uh, one of the things that was mentioned this is definitely not the first time Ars- or there's been a game with Arsenal where there's been six different scorers. Another was a game in. Let me get the exact date. Saturday, the 13th of November, 2004, between Tottenham Hotspurs and Arsenal. That was a 4-5 game where there were all different scorers. So I was going to ask you, who were the scorers in that game? Ooh. 2004. Um, 2004. I'm going to guarantee you know all of the Arsenal ones. And one or two of the Tottenham ones. There's one that I actually had no idea who it was or don't remember it. Um, but there'll be more judging if you don't get the Arsenal ones. <laughs> I'm going to obviously say Henri. Correct. He was the first Arsenal goal just on the stroke of halftime. 45 plus one. Okay. You said six total, yes? Five Arsenal scorers, four oh, Tottenham scorers. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to mainly focus on the Arsenal ones because yes. I, I don't know if I can get the Tottenham ones. Um, Bergkamp? No, no Bergkamp. No. Wasn't even on the assists. Mm, interesting. Humberg. Uh, Yep, Freddie Eumberg with the fourth goal in the 69th minute. Mm, Pires. Correct, the uh, the last goal in the 80th minute, or the last Arsenal goal, I should say, in the 80th minute. Okay. How many is that now? You've three. got three, you got two more. Okay. Um, i trying to remember who else. Um, one of them you should get one of them's you know i would call a deep cut but someone you would be familiar with okay adu was on that team i don't think he would he didn't score that possibly but he is definitely not on the score sheet but that's a good guess 
Do you want a hint? Yeah, I'm trying to remember who else on the team. One other, one of the uh, remaining goal scorers was recently a Premier League manager. Vieira? Yeah, Patrick Vieira in the 60th minute. All right. God, that took forever. Yeah. There's one more. I, as I said, <laughs> oh, I, don't, man. I don't think I, I wouldn't have gotten it without looking it up. It's a uh, Lauren. Oh yeah. He took, he took a penalty. I didn't know. I didn't, I, I had no idea who was on the penalty uh, duties back then. Huh. Yeah. Okay. You'd think Henri would be taking the penalties, but yeah, yeah really. Right. Maybe there was, I don't quite remember the circumstances of that penalty. So maybe there was a, some fun shenanigans, but it's Henri, Lauren, Vieira, Jumberg, and Pires. With a Chesk Fabregas assist, Lauren got an assist on Henri's goal, and Henri assisted Perez's goal. If for as as many for as long as Lauren played for Arsenal, I do not think of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's not a player that comes to mind. Exactly. That's why. That's why I said it was kind of a deep cut. It was someone like I knew, but I like, yeah, it's not someone I think of on a daily basis. Whereas like Ewenberg, I almost always think of. He's playing on my FIFA team right now. Henri and Perez, mm-hmm. like, yeah. And Vieira, you know, is pretty, pretty constant in the mind. But Lauren is, yeah, definitely a deeper cut. The uh, the other side was Nabit, who I don't even remember him at all. Jermaine Defoe, which I just remember with unhappiness. Ledley King, <laughs> another uh, less than uh, fond memory. And then Canute. Canute. Oh, with the- yeah, I wouldn't have got, I, I don't know if I would have gotten... Maybe Defoe. I think I would have gotten Defoe and maybe King. You have a uh, Michael Carrick assist on that too. (laughs) Bringing back memories of hatred. Yeah, no thank you. But yeah, so. Okay, well, that that had to, I had to do a lot of memory jogging there. (laughs) It's good to remember those days. Yeah. Well, speaking of good memories. Let's talk about this last week because it's been it's been a good good little run here. Yeah. Um it's it's hard to like w- when you have a couple good games, it's hard to remember like what we were complaining about, especially when you're looking at a player like Kai Havertz. <laughs> what what a week he has had to help clear clear some of the bad feelings we had towards him. And and really I think I can't think of anybody that's still, you know, thinking he doesn't have it. You know, like I think it's it's definitely made a case that he he has something that we can tap into. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've always been a I've you know Havertz has kind of been my soapboxiest player. I really do have always liked Havertz. I like the idea of what he brings, and you know, when you take away the price tag, I think that's one of the most important things to do. Kind of like Pepe a few years back, which is you can't just look at the price tag. The price tag is paid. You know, it's not coming back. You look at it, he does have tools that he can bring to the team and make them better. His goal scoring obviously hasn't been what we wanted to begin with, but it's, I I genuinely feel, you know, if he comes out of the season with like eight goals, all competition with all the other things he provides, the assists, the the just off the ball play, the uh, just general menace, I I think it will be a very successful season for him. And, you know, 
really when you look at it as maybe comparing him to a Jaka, who is kind of a role he's replacing or kind of in that same conversation, I do think it's an upgrade. And you see with these two goals this week, what he does provide. Yeah, I think if you're doing the comparison to Jaka, which obviously you have to, um, it's it is about providing a different option, right? Mm-hmm. And he, what Jaka gave us was definitely a lot of defensive stability and, and was able to step in and, and fill in a lot of gaps in the field. I think I under, underestimated like the amount of um, defensive ability that Kai Havertz mm-hmm. brings. He actually is a good disruptor. He cuts out passes. He just gets in there like a bit more than I expected. And I think he has kind of um, stepped up that part of his game as, as part of Arsenal because he's, he's being asked to kind of be on both sides. He's applying pressure. He's trying to um, create turnovers in that midfield. And when he's, what I saw in his last couple of games is that when he is actually feeling confident, he's actually making something out of those turnovers. Mm. So it's before there was a lot of stray passes. There was things where it just kind of, he just wasn't putting anything into the ball. It just was like kind of fizzling when he should have been um, putting some heat on those passes and, and playing with a little bit more confidence. But there were sparks in this last couple of games where it's like when he's able to be that disruptor and um, he can actually do something with the ball and feel like he can move forward. It does, it does feel a bit more like he's, fulfilling that promise of, of replacing Jaka because that's really what Jaka brought was like kind of that disruptor role and was able to score a few goals on top of that. And now with some confidence behind him, I can see, I can start to see where Kai Havers can start to fill more of those, those roles that, that Jaka did. Yeah. And you, you, you have to, there, there is a reason why all these people are t- tout him very highly. He, he has all the tool sets his, his aerial ability is something that I think we overlook a lot too. He's great in the air. It's just kind of finishing those, those, those chances he makes in the air. But, uh, yeah, he, he is definitely someone that I think improves the team. And I, I, I think a lot of the criticism for him comes from his price tag, but I think in some ways those are unhealthy, uh, uh, expectations because once the the transfer fee is paid, it's paid, and you can just kind of forget about it anymore because it's not like we'll get the money back ever. You know, it's just a, a sunk cost, as it were. And now you just have to look at him of what he can provide for the team. And I think he definitely has a role to provide for the team. And I think getting those goals are only going to help him in his confidence, which is needed to score goals. Yeah, and you just you you know that he is trying, and I mm. think that was that has been the the thing that has gotten him this far is really that he's put in the effort. He hasn't shown, even though it, you could see the lack of confidence, it never felt like it was wearing on him to the point where he was not able to contribute in other ways, or you know, like it was affecting his overall game. It just when he got into that final third, yeah, it just seemed like it was, it really was fall, failing for him. But like I said, like even the passing is, was a bit sharper, a little bit better this last couple of games. And, um, I hope he's turned a corner. 
I think that it's 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 a great sign that he scored two games in a row. And I think this is a a sign of this kind of new Arsenal that we've been seeing since Arteta t- has taken over, which is that the the fans have also given him the space. Like there's been mumblings and rumblings, in, you know, especially in you know the internet world, a little bit about Kai Havertz, but. When he's on the field, he's he, the fans are supporting him. He has the probably second favorite song of current Arsenal players right now after the Saliba song. <laughs> uh-huh. Although I'm also very partial to a uh, Shakira. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, the support that he's getting both uh, on the pitch from his teammates and then off the pitch from the uh, the fan base, even when we 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 hope for more from him in the finishing, is uh, I think a good thing, and it helps mean that. You know, he, he's given the space to turn that corner and given the space to try and uh, move on. And, you know, these have, the, especially the uh, Brentford goal, is an extremely important goal. We needed those three points. And it wasn't looking like it was coming until he came on and made that moment of magic. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing. Is like he's been a good, a, a good contributor off the bench. I think he brings something, um, changes up our ability to put pressure on teams because you suddenly bring in a tall target and it, it offers something different for Odegaard to, to target. You know, he's got, um, he's, he's got, a, a another partner in, in Saka that can also put in a good cross. So I think having, uh, Havertz showing up on that back post, it really, it, it offers something, a, a, a different, plan for Arsenal when things aren't really working. And that was definitely the case with Brentford where they were very defensively start, stout for this entire game, really. And it came down to the pretty much the last few minutes here for Havertz to score this goal. And I think we, we on our wish list of center forwards, we, there was a lot of talk about wanting somebody that was a little bit bigger. You look at Man City with, with Holland and how he can he can do so much, but having the big frame that he has and and, and the ability to um, get on the end of things, he, he does a lot of different things, but having that option was not something that we had with Jesus or Saka or anybody in our front line. Um, so bringing in Havertz to have a, tar- a target up front that can get get onto balls and to be a, a back post run for that right side to aim for, it just opens things up because we consistently have success working that right side with Saka. He's always able to get into spaces where he can create crosses, but we didn't always have the person on the other end that was, that was going to get on the end of them. So, um, he's, he's definitely a good tool to have if he's, if he's firing on all cylinders. And the, and then another thing, uh, that we have to remember is that he does, have championship winning experience you know he scored a champions league winning goal for chelsea he he uh he has won titles and that's something that i i know arteta is very keen to bring on to the team it's you know one of the major reasons we got jesus and jinchenko is to bring that and Jorginho for that matter is to bring in that championship winning experience and he's another player that i think we often forget but he's won things you know he's 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 been a part major part of teams that have won major trophies and still just 24 you know he's he's very young so like i don't know what his um his full history is and and if whether he's had to deal with um 
goal droughts and those sorts of things. I know he definitely has with, with Chelsea, but I don't know to what to what degree. But you know, when you're not, um, especially when you're you're brought in to replace a popular player, you've got money spent on you. Um, it, it, it's it's a lot to live up to. So there there's definitely that pressure pressure coming over from Chelsea where you've you've won some things, but then now you've got to come, go and kind of start over and, and prove yourself again. So um, it's good to see him overcome that so that he can actually tap into those championship winning experiences and, and bring them with him. Because I think if you're playing with, um, with, without full confidence, it's hard to bring over that championship mentality. You know, it's like you, that, that uh, the true, the true championship mentality is, when those things are like bugging you and you're not getting the the consistency and the goal scoring, you still have to be a consistent player. And I think that is what he has shown is like, you just keep playing and eventually it, it works itself out. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that, uh, that, uh, championship mentality, I think is, uh, translates into this Brentford game quite a bit as well with, the. Uh, the idea that it was a it was a tough going game. <laughs> Besides Havertz, what was your what were your thoughts on the game itself? Well, I think the other headline from this game was that Ramsdale had to start mm-hmm. because Raya was not able to against his uh, um, his home team for the moment. Uh, but the uh, the Ramsdale inclusion was definitely a uh, an interesting talking point. Uh, I. I understand like the Raya differences now, mm-hmm. now that we've seen him for a while. And then I got to see like Ramsdale again in a premier league match. I'm like, ah, yes, I've gotten used to it, but I can see it. Like, it's like, it, there is some, di- some differences there, but I also understand that Ramsdale's coming in with like a little bit of rust. He's coming, he's getting thrust into a, um, a difficult situation because of the, the, conversations around the goalkeeper goalkeeper position so there's some pressure there and it's definitely um a, a tough situation to play your best in but uh he didn't inspire confidence for me and that that was um maybe uh just a product of the situation but i, I think we're starting to see maybe why Raya got brought in i mean i think i think it's harsh maybe to to say he didn't in, in inspire confidence i think it's it's such a difficult situation for him to be to come in after what almost three months not playing at least two months not playing and with all the noise that's been surrounding it all the all the thing to come in i i obviously would probably i'd maybe have a different view if he, if those two mistakes that he made uh actually punished us but we got away with them and i just i don't blame him for that it's just you know getting back into into the groove, you know, with the the fans, you know, shouting, you know, uh, things about Raya to him and going. And I think his second half was very, I thought it was a very confident, very good second half performance once he got his feet under him. And once yeah, he got, that is true. Got, got back into just playing goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he's kind of in a no-win situation where he, even if he played a... He, his best game ever. I think that people would be really picking apart the performance mm. and, uh, you know, he got a shutout, I think other than two really big <laughs> blunders that almost cost us, but didn't early on, yeah. he played confidence. I think there is some differences you can see. I think 
you could see him trying to force the ball out more to try and do what Rhea does. And uh-huh. I think that's where at least one of those uh, kind of mistakes happened. So I, I genuinely think between the two of them, it's just, it's a hair breadth different. It's not, it's not a major difference between the two. And I really, now having the comparison, that it's just, uh, Rhea does a, li- a couple little things differently and what Arteta wants to do more. And you see that with distribution and crosses and things like that. But uh, I mean, ultimately, I, I just, I mark it down to this is an Arteta decision. This is how he sees it. And at the end of the year, we can make a full decision on it. But this is, you know, the way it goes. Yeah, I think, obviously, if you're the starting keeper and you've had all the experience and minutes this year, you're going to look a bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 hard to hard to compare them both. But it, it's it's the comfort level, I think. You know, we, we saw it when Leno was asked to kind of play out of the back and it was tough and so ramsdale looked like a huge improvement over that mm-hmm. and now i think we're seeing like what somebody who's even better at doing that looks like and you can kind of see where ramsdale isn't quite up to that level yet yeah so i th- i mean i do think uh it's i think it's Reyes' job definitely to lose and i think it's a decision that when we look back on it it'll be a arteta decision I, 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 I have doubts about Ramsdale's long-term future at the club, let alone his short-term future. I, and you know, I feel sorry for him. It's, it's, it's keepers just such a hard position, and I don't think Ramsdale did anything markably wrong to lose his position. But this game definitely didn't, uh, didn't make an argument for him to to win back his seat, his uh, his seat, his uh, his uh, gloves. I guess. Yeah. Well, the team, the team was definitely um, supporting him, you know, mm-hmm. when he was when he was able to make saves, when he did get the shutout, you know, the team was definitely around him and making sure that he was um, feeling the love. Uh, but it's uh, it's definitely I, I think it's a dividing point for, you know, head over heart sort of situation mm-hmm. um, where, you know, Ramsdale is is a, a a great guy and i think everybody loves loves him but it's not about that mm-hmm. it's not about anything that he brings with his personality it's more about can we improve on what he does on the field and that's if you strip that down then and take away the personality and the person and you look at the product then i can see where raya's got a little bit more refinement a little bit higher ceiling when it comes to where he's at right now in his his career is and and his abilities on the ball i just think it fits a little bit more what arteta wants and that's that's what's going to win out in the end yeah i mean and that is to be said that i think uh ramsdale does have a few qualities that raya doesn't have i think his leadership his you know know, ability to almost be a captain on the field his Mm -hmm. his his shithousery for lack of better word is something that is an asset and can be an asset in some games i think you almost have to look at, you know, if all the chips at a North London Derby with all the chips on the table, I think I'd almost like a Ramsdale in there just to, to, to offer that different, different, uh, passion and things like that. But, uh, yeah, those, those things can be also kind of hard to quantify and hard to, uh, 
to to know what the actual value is as far as goals against and goals for and all that jazz. Yeah. Well, outside of that, this game was definitely tough. Um, you know, the Brentford team was was not making it very easy to to break them down and that's uh that is usually a thorn for for Arsenal because we we do have a little bit of a challenge um when teams are just defending us tight and and making it tough to to get those opportunities uh this really came down to the the right person at the right time and I think credit to Arteta to identify uh Havertz as as an option you know like either he whether he's starting or off the bench he he is going to be a good weapon uh going forward so i think this was a great turning point for him and hopefully uh we we see more to come i think getting consistency on the goal scoring side would be a great addition when we're you know kind of struggling on the premier league to to get goals obviously from this um game you can see it's not it's not easy when teams are throwing their best at you and trying to do everything they can to make sure you are not able to get into scoring positions. It's, uh, it's not, it's not hard to understand why it's not looked quite as smooth on the premier league side, because we're, we're, we're playing some, some tough defenses throughout the entire season. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I I haven't looked at the uh, stats since uh, last week when the game happened or last when the game happened last weekend and, but it, it was something like 75% possession that Arsenal had. It was a very much yeah. a, a dominating performance other than the, uh, the, the goal scored. But, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's just going to be one of those games where you just have to win ugly. You have to find a way to get that three points and break down a, a very t- tidy Brentford team. I don't, I, I, I think they're a very decent squad. It, this game had, um, uh, hit us on the break, uh, written all over it, but our defense held, held them very well. Their two, uh, their two weapons, um, were, uh, you know, I thought rendered pretty inert for the most part during the game. Our, our defense looked very, very strong and yeah, you, you know, we, we found a way to win and, you know, those three points put us top of the table. So, you know, yeah. How about that? <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm kind of in shock, really. Like, I can't wrap my head around oh, that. I think we're too early for top of the table. I, I, I was hoping we'd kind of like cruise just a couple points under until right towards the end, and then pop top of the table. I, uh-huh. I don't, I don't want to be trying to to fend everybody back for this long. It's, a, it's too much. Is you know, last year was giving me bad flashbacks. I know it was just uh, yeah. to the point where I believed that uh that it came back. So. It's it's too early, but we learned our lesson last year not to get too hopeful. Yeah, don't believe. <laughs> it's hope that kills you. Yes. Uh, so we'll we will enjoy our one point lead for as long oh, as we yeah. can, but it's going to take a lot more than that to keep the pack off of our tails. So I'm I'm not expecting we're going to stay in first place for very long. It's going to be a bit of leapfrog for oh, yeah. for a while. Well, I mean, I think this year is like looking to be a very kind of up and down slog fast. You know, even to Man U, it's what, six points separating all yep. those teams. And, you know, I, you know, Liverpool is having a very sneaky, good season. I think they had a roughish start to the season, had some decisions not go their way. And I'm, 
pretty worried about Liverpool and how they're looking as far as title race goes. The the nice thing is that it, it does seem like City's wobbling a little and can be had. And so it's 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 going to be a three, four, maybe even five team race this year. There's going to be a lot of kind of horses pushing their teams, pushing their nose ahead and then being pulled back. And yeah, it should uh-huh. be a fun season for the neutrals and a, a very stressful season for us. Yeah, I was lamenting the uh, playoff system the other day mm-hmm. in the MLS because I just I really I don't find it as fun as this. Yeah. Like to me, I will take a full season of ups and downs and games that really have meaning over a few games at the end of the season that can decide whether your season yeah. was worthwhile or not. I mean, really you're you're starting to look at like five or six playoff games this in the regular season. You're you're looking you know, we're, I don't want to get too far ahead, but, you know, there's Liverpool coming up, which is going to be a huge game for us. Yeah. The next Man City game, we still have to play Tottenham. We still have to play United. These are all games that are going to, you know, make or break the season. And then you have, you know, even the games like Brentford, where we really need to to win these games to bank those points. Yeah. I think, of course, the the run-in at the end of the season matters, but... The way you know the way this this season is shaping up, every game is is going to matter. It's mm-hmm. not going to come to. I mean, it may come down to the wire, but I think you cannot let your foot off the gas now. It, you know, it, if with a one point lead, you know you don't expect to just like take off and and build a huge cushion. You just have to bank as many points as you possibly can. Yeah, exactly. And it's I, I think instead of looking at other teams, we just have to concentrate on our results and our things. And, you know, if we're top of the table or not, it's, it is what it is and just concentrate on our results. And towards the end of the season, we can see if it's enough points to, to, to win us a title. Right. Um, okay. From top of the league to top of our group in the champions league, that transition. (laughs) Um, this is looking like a foregone conclusion that we will be winning this group. I don't think we can. Yeah, we we, we, we officially won the group. Yeah. So um, I knew we were through. I wasn't sure if we got the point, but yeah. Uh, the the last important game mm. was yesterday, and that was really the the I think since we don't have uh, Carabao Cup games, kind of earning a little. Uh, team game for us to like recover and rest and you know not have to worry too much it's kind of a little bonus yeah maybe we'll see a ramsdale pop up or something too yeah exactly so you know beating lens not one to zero not two not even four or five but my goodness six goals a nice thrashing it's a you know we say it happens every once in a while but it, it does you know feel far too long since we've had a nice easy thrashing uh, and it's interesting because you know coming into the game we had obviously lost to them previously mm-hmm. which uh puts a little bit more spice i think on the game a little bit more worry but then uh you also it's at home and there was i think there was expectations and i think for the first what 20 25 minutes it was a little worrying i thought i thought it was kind of becoming a little bit of that that Brentford game. 
yeah, it 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 did, you know, seem fairly even for quite a while. And the possession wasn't crazy tilted. It was um you know, it about it is actually tilted towards uh towards them a little bit and but for the most part it it seemed seemed like it was pretty even and uh just waiting for that right moment um from Arsenal to kind of get things going because they had a couple close calls uh, i think Havertz had an early early attempt that went just a little wide and i was like oh well if he's getting in on it early <laughs> things things are going in the right direction um but yeah, he he ended up uh, being the first on the on the on the sheet, which bodes well. Again, speaking to his confidence, um, and there was a lot of I, I don't know if it was sloppy defending, but there was a lot of goals that were just kind of directed in in the direction of goal and ended up going in. Um, this is like not the most beautiful goal in the world, but. Uh, Havertz does enough to just kind of redirect it through around the goalkeeper. And uh, it was exactly what we needed to get, get this game going. Yeah. The, uh, the defending wasn't great. Uh, it definitely wasn't a world-class defensive uh, uh, showing. I think uh, we're seeing kind of lens more as they uh, have been showing this year, but uh, you 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 still have to convert these uh these goals, and I mean that Kai Kai Havertz goal is exactly that goal he's been missing. Mm-hmm. So for him to actually bury a defending bad defender, no, is a a good sign. And really, all the goals converting and really being lethal puts that game. I mean, the game was done by halftime, right? And then it was just a an enjoyable watch and an easier stroll for the rest of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And it is just kind of like throughout this game you could just tell Arsenal were just out hustling their defenders like it, it, the second goal especially like it was just like uh all all that Saka had to do is run run at two defenders and then just out hustled them and 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 was able to just kind of direct the ball much as Jesus did for for Havertz you know just kind of direct the ball into his path and um you know Saka did just enough to get through two defenders and poke the ball towards Jesus and he nice little cut back to, to get around the defender and uh, puts that puts it away. And it's like, we just have been, uh, it, they made it, they made a difficult goal look pretty easy. And uh, it, it kind of just kept going that way. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, one of the things I was focusing on was how nice it is to have Jesus back. Uh-huh. And again, it's 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 not a slight on anyone on the other players that were taking, you know, his position while he was gone. It's just he does a lot of these intangible things besides scoring the goal that really uh, accentuates the other players, the other Arsenal players' uh, performances. And uh, you know, he really does help uh, lead the line and get the balls into dangerous positions. Yeah, his his um, assist on the first goal. I mean, like. You forget what ability he has in the air. Like he is uh, way overpowered for his height, as far as that that skill set. Um, so yeah, he's he adds so much. Uh, yeah, he uh, he he does add all those those intangibles. His his height and and his jumping ability. I guess not his height, but uh, yeah, and 
as the goals were, were trickling in, you really just saw that the uh, the team was up for this game too. I don't know if it was the just being home or if it was, you know, there's a little bit of a revenge factor going on that they really wanted to show that they were the better team or if it, it it's a sign that we're trying to, we're clicking through the gears that we're, we're doing that thing that a city's done the last couple of years, which is, you know, a slowish start, which, you know, by any means, this isn't a real slow start. We only have one loss in the season, but uh, you're, you're, you're seeing the, the team kind of unlock its potentiality. And the, these are games where you really see how far we've come. Yeah. And so much of this was just like the right place at the right time. You know, it's, it's, the the third goal is is Saka just making that run and being in the right place mm-hmm. for when the ball is deflected. Um, same, you know, like just the the knock on to to Havertz, like you, Jesus really put that on the plate for him. Um, not that Havertz didn't have a lot to do there, but mm-hmm. um, the confidence the team is playing with really allows them to kind of you could just feel the flow. Like they were just popping up in the right places, putting the right weight on the passes. When you see a team playing with confidence, they make a lot of this stuff look easy. But these passes, like, like I was saying, like some of these passes, Havertz has been trying to do this stuff all year. And, you know, it just, it started working. And it's like, you just get that right, right amount of uh, speed on a pass. And all of a sudden it's, it's half the work is done for you. And a lot of this was players just making that extra little run, doing the extra. And and when it when you're playing um, when you're playing a, a few goals up, I feel like it takes some of that pressure uh, off, and you're just trying stuff, and it's just really working. And occasionally you'll see teams kind of get into this mode, and I love it when it's us. You know, like when you just see see the eyes light up when passes are just <laughs> popping up. Like I I love I love that and. Players were just trying stuff, you know. Mart, Mart, yeah. Martinelli, I, I felt like by the time he got his goal, he was just like, "Okay, give me a couple inches, I'll, I'll take a shot." And yeah, because stuff was just going in, you know. Like they, it wasn't, it wasn't like these were all like easy tap ins, you know. Obviously, Saka was just kind of <laughs> just kind of walked forward <laughs> and, and the ball went in. But, yeah, you know, Martinelli's goal was an excellent shot, and so it's like, um, for as for as much as it was right place, right time, there was some actual skilled shots going on here. I mean, Odegaard also just an excellent, excellent shot. You know, <laughs> These, it, it, they were just feeling it this whole game. Yeah. It's a, you know, it, it really does. It, 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 it's nice too, that we were coming off this international break and you could, you, we were, I think I was worried about us losing a little bit of the momentum and maybe, uh, you know, regressing a little bit, but it really does feel like we've hit the ground running from the international break. And now we have, a very long run of games in which we're we're really feeling like we're we're on the boil we're really uh stepping up the game and really gonna be ready to grind out these these games and do whatever it takes and you know the confidence has got to be sky high after this game yeah i mean you look at the the team and it's really it's really starting to come come together like you said we've got because we've had players out too it's helped that we can um you know, without without party, you've been able to give Declan Rice a lot of minutes as mm-hmm. as the lone six, and that's I think helped develop develop him in this team. Um, with with the uh, absence of 
Jesus, you know, we had some other players step up. You get Trissard kind of working his way into the team and then you get Jesus back and it's like, okay, well now we've got all these extra tools. You've had a little bit of uh, injury with Ben White and it's allowed Tommy Asu to come in and, and get his, his game going. And so it, it has been a, a collective kind of coming together and, and filling in these holes, but it's brought the team up. Like that's what you want. That competition is allowing Arteta to pull in different players and kind of mix and match and, and it, it all works. Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, the point of kind of this off season was to get that depth going. And it's something we talked about during the off season that right now there is a large bit of depth in, in all these positions and the, and the type of player that Arteta signs, which is a player that kind of can play multiple roles. You look at Trissard, it's kind of hard to nail down where Trissard's position is. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard sometimes to nail where we're, we're playing some of these players. They uh, just kind of are fluid and moving around and all are getting their minutes. And it, uh, it's a, if, if it, if it works, if the strategy works and the d- depth is true being correct, we're it's, it's good signs for things to come. Yeah. And, and I'm hopeful this, this um, confidence that the team played with really either carries on, it continues to carry on the, in the champions league because they have been, playing fairly well and, and not really having any issues in the, it, you know, outside of the lens game, uh, first leg, um, have not really looked too daunted by being in the champions league. So I'm very confident feeling pretty, uh, I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good going into round 16. I mean, it, it, obviously the team, the level jumps up. You're not, you're not playing with any, uh, safety net, you know, you, you're, it's, you're playing a series of games here and it's, it's, that's it. So it's the, the level steps up, but I think we are playing, playing at a level where that should not be too daunting for us. Yeah. I mean, going into this champion league, I think we were all just a a little bit uh, worried is the wrong word, but uh, uh, interested, I guess, to see where we would kind of fit in with this, uh, the, the, the level of European competition. And I think, you know, we've passed the first test with, with flying colors that, you know, you're always, it's very rare in a group that you're going to win every game. There's always going to be a tricky away fixture that you just aren't completely focused for. And that's what I'm going to put down that lens game to mm-hmm. the lens away game was just one of those games. But, uh, you know, it is a different style of competition. You see how United is trying to deal with it this year and they're, uh, they're failing miserably. And even against some of these quote unquote easier teams, like, uh, like, uh, Copenhagen and things like that. So I think we can be proud of not only going in qualifying, winning the group and really looking like the dominant team in the group. We look like we earned our top seat in that group this year. And I, I forget, you know, the value that comes with winning in the champions league, mm-hmm. the literal, bonuses that we've gotten so far tally 76 million yeah we've almost got a race there yeah exactly i mean they're paying you're paying off some of these these big um incoming players and and building that war chest for the next round mm-hmm. because that we're only going to make more from here um because you know some of this stuff like the uh uh the bonuses that you get as you move deeper go oh, up yeah. exponentially I mean, it's definitely worth the money. And, you know, winning the group 
isn't as big a prize as you think, because when you're looking at the second place teams right now, there's a lot of a kind of a very slippery banana peels in the in those second place uh, uh, teams. And any team that's moving on from the Champions League is going to be difficult. But I think we'll avoid the uh, the the things that were happening the last time we were in the Champions League, where we were playing Barcelona or Bayern every single year in the first round of the knockout. That hopefully we uh, will get a more not even draw, but a more winnable draw. Yeah, I'm. You know, you look at the teams that are already in, and nobody's going to be a pushover. I mean, there, mm. there's no bad teams in the group so far. Um, yeah, there's no bad team in the knockout round in general. Yeah, like e- even even some of the less fancied teams are. You have you have to show a consistency to get uh, through right the group stage. You're you're at least a little seasoned at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really curious about our, our draw. I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, it gets real from here on out, but that, that comes after we get a dead rubber game, which is nice to kind of give ourselves a little break. Um, we'll see how, how strong a lineup even makes that game. Yeah. I mean, as you said, there, there is some win bonus involved. So there, there's probably, uh, some impetus to put, uh, you know, a, a fairly strong lineup. But you also have to look at the uh, the bigger picture in this. You know, the next few weeks are going to be a, a very busy, rough and tumble week with a lot of lot of games and a lot of difficult fixtures. So, I think taking a chance to rest some players or at least not put them through a full ninety minutes. I, I mean, I I I really want Sokka to not be played as many minutes as he is right now. Yeah, I mean, I. Give Ramsdale a Champions League game. That'd be nice yeah. for him. Um, this is a this is a game that's sandwiched after a trip to Austin Villa, and then a home match with Brighton. So, um, mm. you know, traveling to PSV is is obviously a, a big undertaking. So you want to maybe not use your your A squad just because you, they're they're going to be a little bit. Uh, impacted by the travel but you know it's it could be a good opportunity to keep some rhythm too so i I could see just minimal rotation from arteta because he never never likes to rest too many players at once yeah he's definitely a a type of player that or coach that likes to just run some players into the ground as a player yeah i'm still circling the liverpool match though on the 23rd that still looms large in my mind so if if players can um skip out on extra minutes that they don't need against PSV. I, you know, any, any gas you can save for the busy festive season uh, is good in my mind. And I mean, and also you're looking at Villa is what fourth on the table right now. They're, yeah. they're, they're no, they're, they're definitely no slouches. No. It's, it's going to be a difficult game. And Brighton uh, started off with a bang has been a little less consistent of the last couple games it still has a really handy team they i at one point were, was running three brighton players on my fantasy team like yeah they're they're definitely a, a, a it's not going to be easy tests these are all going to be you know difficult games with the psv game being the one that just doesn't matter that much right yeah I, and i think if you're just with the amount of games coming up it's just there's a lot there's a lot coming up you know <laughs> it's mm-hmm. we we're not even to speak of the two coming up that are 
not to be not to be uh taken too lightly i mean you you would hope that we can bank six points from uh wolves and, and Luton town but it, yeah. it nothing should be taken for granted I mean, Luton just recently got their first uh, home win of the season. Wolves is a very handy team, too. They have, uh, I think they've been somewhat unlucky in some of the calls that have gone against them. Yeah. In this season, they have uh, a couple really uh, good, uh, handy players, some scoring threats. It's going to be Wolves is a team I wouldn't necessarily want to look overlook at all. But uh, you would you would you would hope that you would get the, uh, the the three points from them. Yeah, I think um, you know, just looking looking ahead, I would be a little nervous if I was the Wolves after, to try to play Arsenal after a six a six goal game. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, it'll be a very interesting uh, game. I just I'm interested to see how our defense rocks up against them. I think if, I think there is going to be a very back and forth game. That game, I think I can see them trying to hit us on the counter, but we've been we've been fairly resistant to the counter so far this year yeah i think we we don't consider how great our defense has been quite enough Mm. you know like it is if we continue to play at this level with only 10 goals allowed that's that's good for a third of the season done already yeah yeah i mean i think i i really truly believe that sleeba is in the process of becoming the best back in the world. He's just solid. He, he's, you know, there's occasional weaknesses to, uh, to him, but just like any player, but it, he's so solid. And then his partnership with Gabriel is just uh, so amazing. And they're just so tight so well. And then the way we've been playing our backs where we uh, have a platoon of uh, Tommy Asu, White and Zinchenko kind of interchangeably going in some of those roles depending on the opponent and how we want to play. It's been, uh, it's been fun to see. You really, it kind of, when I was watching the, the game against Lens, it really feels like we're almost, we're playing a four back in defense and then a three back on, on offense that, you right. know, we really kind of shift in those players and make a, a, a three back system. And it's just really been tight the whole year. Yeah. And I can't downplay the role that, um, that Rice has played in that and, and his, his ability to, shield the, that back line and, and break things up before it even becomes a threat. And you've also got, um, you know, Odegaard and, and uh, Havertz or whoever's playing in that left eight position, you know, really defending with, from the front and, and making sure that they're putting, applying pressure further up the field before anything really builds up. You know, they, they create so many turnovers um, in, in threatening positions. And I think there's so much of, what we've done to be strong defensively has come down to just out possessing teams, you know, where we've been able to just control the ball, turn, create turnovers, just not allow teams to get too much of a foothold because that's really what's made Raya look so good is he, he hasn't had to face a lot. He had a really good save in this um, uh, game with uh, lens. And, and I, um, I, I feel like I could count on one hand, the amount of like, really good saves he, he's had to make. Like, he just doesn't really um, need to do a lot of the way our defense has been playing. Yeah, and uh, that it's almost made it harder or hard to to compare Ramsdale to Raya because neither of them have really had to make 
huge saves because our defense has just been really, really solid. Yeah. I, and, and yeah, Saliba just, if he doesn't win some awards at the end of the season or very soon, I mean, he's, he's just such a, a strong player. I don't know how he doesn't get more talk and attention, but well, maybe we'll just well, keep it that way. I'm, 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 I'm perfectly glad having him fly under the radar. Cause you know, I, I really do think France is going to have a good Euros this summer and people are going to sit up and take notice of the of uh, Saliba for the first time and realize that he is one of, if not the best center back in, in the world right now. Yeah, and if Arsenal do win the league or do go deep in Champions League, I think it's going to draw some eyes to that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we will look forward to to hopefully having a good game against the wolves. I am, I'm excited to see if this momentum continues to build in the premier league, because that's really where we've struggled to get any traction. But I, I feel a lot better that we're having these kind of multi-goal games where, you know, it, it, you get glimmers of what has really been working for this team. And now that some of these, uh, these other players are starting to, to get involved when you got a six, when you got six different players involved, I think that's such a an overall confidence boost for the team. I'm just really excited to see how that that manifests going forward. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm I'm definitely not looking past Wolves. I they it was a it was a really rough game against uh, Fulham. That uh, I think there were three separate apologies made to the uh, the wolf or to Wolves coach <laughs> over uh, over refereeing decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. There's, and it's not the first time. I mean, I remember the first game of the season when uh, Onana just destroyed a Wolves player and got away with it. Uh, they've they've definitely had the wrong end of the uh, the refereeing stick, and it, something like that might actually help encourage them to uh, come out hard against us. Uh, I, you can bet the referees are going to be uh, a little bit more. Uh, by the books and there'll be a lot of attention on them this game. So yeah. <laughs> I still have yeah. not heard what the result of the Arteta comments were as far as fines or game bans or anything like that. I haven't heard anything uh, about that. I haven't heard any official fines. I, it's kind of funny because the Wolves coach went on a rant this, uh, this after this, uh, the, their last game. And uh, he has like what he said was fair, but it's I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a fine. But I don't know. I think there's a slight tact acknowledgement right now that the refereeing isn't exactly where everyone wants it, so they're not necessarily going to try and stir the pot more by handing out huge fines to coaches talking about it as well. That's why I'm really curious what they do if they're really going to come down hard on Arteta to like try to set an example, or if they're going to be a, a, a or if they're going to acknowledge somewhat that he was right to criticize. Well, they're not acknowledging they, they, they already have come out and said that those calls were correct in the Newcastle game, which I'm, we've already covered that and I'm not going to sure. <laughs> go into how annoying that is. So I don't think we're going to get any apologizes, apologizes, any apologies from them anytime soon, but I'm just maybe not punishing him too harshly would be their, their way of apologizing. <laughs> But we'll see how that plays out because I think he was either appealing or had some 
sort of uh, communication that had to be made to uh, close the loop on that. So we'll see what happens. But I'm sure it's going to screw us somehow. He's probably going to get touchline ban or some stupid thing. Yeah, like a half year touchline ban or something <laughs> stupid like that. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we got one question this week from Jonathan King Monilas, who asks. He, uh, or he says, saw a lot of names on the score sheet yesterday. <laughs> Which player always makes you happy when they score? It's a great question. I mean, I think the, I mean, there's a really quick answer, which is all of them do. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It, uh, and it, it was, it was really fun to see a bunch of different names of the goal scores of the, uh, the people from last game who scored. I, it, it obviously, I think the, one with the bullet for me was Havertz. I, as I said, I've had a very soft spot for Havertz. I feel like I've been a, a little bit of a defender of him in the Arsenal world. And uh, for him to score and just look so happy when he scores, like it's uh, you can really see the, 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 the huge weight lifted off his shoulders when he scores. And it just, I mean, it makes me feel good. So as far as the, the, the six on the, the goal sheet from last week, it's him. As far as in general, it's, Tommy, a Tommy Asu goal is 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 one of the best things in the entire world. Yeah, I do love a Tommy Asu goal. I appreciate I appreciate him. Um, yeah, I I gotta agree with with Havertz for 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 now. I think he's got he's got so much to live up to. Um, it's just important for the team that he he's is successful. Um. I've I've also enjoyed seeing Rice score this season. Hmm. He's been he, he put he, he, when he scores I feel like there's some some power behind it. He's he's and he he did um have a game a game winner earlier that I felt was, you know, when you when you have a game winner and you're a new player, that's a pretty big yeah, celebration. So I have appreciated that. No quicker way to a fan's heart than to a game get a game winner. Yes, exactly. Um, the, you know, there's players I want to see score, but, um, you know, aren't getting a lot of opportunities like Emil, Emil Smith Rowe. I'd love to see him get back on the score sheet and kind of get his, his, uh, career figured out once he gets, I guess he's injured again, yeah, um, that's, or has yeah. been for a little while. So he's, uh, he's due, he's due to come back and get a, a big goal. So that's one I look Nelson? forward to. Reese Nelson's got had some fun ones. He he's like one of those guys you want to bring off the bench because he seems to make things happen in the last parts of games. Um, so his 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 goals have had a lot of drama around them. So and he if he's scoring, it seems like there's there's big things happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of anyone else that uh, just uh, is just a joyous joyous little goal. I mean, I still just go back to Tommy. I, I'm smiling right now just thinking of him scoring. So yeah, <laughs> that's an easy answer for me. Yeah, he, he yeah he's he's way up there. He's popular at my house. So oh yeah, that's right. Um yeah, I think that answers that. Oh Ben Ben White, we got to throw Ben White in there. Oh, he doesn't Benny's score much, go. but he's he's got uh, there's something about it. It's like that guy's not supposed to score. <laughs> Although he's been a little bit more involved in the offense. He has. Me, so. Yeah. I I want to mention one thing about this last game. Um oh. I I just was watching 
another minute to watch some if there was any celebrations in there. But with the black armbands that they were wearing, I'm not sure who passed, but um, I think it's Terry Venables. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, it reminded me of the the kits that had the the black armband kind of built into it, kind of. Um, yeah. I kind of like those because they remind me of an era I really liked. <laughs> um, especially, I th- I really see Kazorla Car- in that um, that kid oh, yeah. for some reason in my mind. They, that one stands out. But I would I would take that one. I don't know why I really I really like that one for some reason, even though it's real basic. Speaking of players that uh, make you smile when they score, Santi Carzola was definitely one of those players. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um. Yeah, we could we could probably pull a few out of the archives. Players that like enjoyed watching or get, enjoyed watching score. Uh uh <laughs> Another one that just always was a joy when he scored. Yeah. I I mean the celebrations and the way people celebrate also has an effect. I gotta put Henri up there a lot. You oh, know, yeah. the the knee slide is iconic. Um and he would he would always Rub a little salt in the wound. <laughs> so he, he was the way the way he celebrated was always um, interesting because you know he was he was a cocky player. So yeah, I mean he had that uh, goal celebration when he was playing for uh, Red Bull New York, where it was called waiting for the bus stop where he scored, and he just kind of leaned up against leaned the goal on post. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's good. You, you can't beat on rainbows categories. No. Okay. We should call it there. We've got uh, games ahead before we record again. I'm trying to think of, uh, do we just have the one game? No. Just the Wolves. This FA Cup is starting up. Uh, I think. Luton's actually Tuesday, December 5th. So we play Saturday, Tuesday. Ooh. That's a hard one. That's a weird one. Um, so yeah, we'll have a couple games to talk about when we when we next meet. Yeah, the Wolves and Luton. Okay. T- odd Tuesday one. I guess it w- that's our schedule for the next couple weeks because we've got uh, um, the PSV game is on a Tuesday as well. Yeah. So Saturday, yeah, Tuesday. Fast and Furious. Yep. 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 For better or for worse, it's going to be an interesting festive season. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to us this week. If you like what you heard, please review and subscribe wherever you're picking this podcast up. Uh, if you want to find us on the internet, check our show notes. You've got all our links there. And uh, join us on our Discord if you haven't done so already. That's the place to be on game days. Uh, we always like to chat and have some catharsis for better or for worse. Uh, nice to nice to have people there to uh, enjoy these goals or at least, you know, complain with all the VAR calls that are inevitable in every single game, it seems. But uh, yeah, come come join us over there. All right. That's it for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show. <laughs> <laughs>